When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today's episode is Think Strategic Communications, and my guest is Dory Clark. She is a top 50 business thinker, a communications coach, author, and she teaches at Columbia Business School. We're going to be talking specifically about how you can talk about your wins without feeling funny doing so. We're also going to be sharing some strategies for networking and how you can differentiate yourself at work. We're also going to be sharing tips on how you can think about playing the long game. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Hey, Dory. Hi, Jessica. So glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And, you know, thank you so much for joining. Everybody here knows we're talking about communications. And I know I did a quick intro of who you are. And it was funny behind the scenes. I was like, Dory, how do you have time? Like, you're just so busy. But Dory, let the folks know who you are and the work you do. I know I did a quick intro already. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Jessica. My uh, most recent book is The Long Game, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World. And For the purposes of this conversation, one of the most salient things is that uh, early on, before I I started my own business, uh, which I've run for for 18 years now, I actually uh, worked both as a print journalist and also as a presidential campaign spokesperson. I worked in politics for a while. I was a press secretary on a governor's race. I was uh, the New Hampshire communications director for a presidential campaign. And so we wrote speeches, we briefed candidates, and uh, and really worked on questions of of messaging and how to and make sure that what what you were intending to say was what was getting through. And uh, that's something that I think matters for all of us these days. It's funny because I love how you also shared your experience. And even though you are more or less already in the communication space too, I think a lot, and I'm sure a lot of what you learned on the job, it's applicable to professionals in any environment. And I love what you said about, you know, intention versus how it actually lands. And I'm, I'm thinking you, you think about this a lot because being intentional, but also how it's perceived are, are kind of two different things, right? We can try to be very intentional about it, but how is that coming across? So if you're okay with it, Dory, I just want to get into this. I have so many questions for you. Let's do it. Let's totally do it. And I'm sure our audience, by the way, like I said, if you have any questions for Dory and I, throw them in the chat. So number one, you know, let's talk about communications from a high level and kind of talking about what we just said earlier. You know, I think many of us here, we're working professionals, we go into work, you know, we're doing good work, and we want people to know about it. 
Okay. Because like I said earlier, doing good work is only half it. It's really about being able to talk about it. So Dory, for folks who are like, well, how do I make sure people understand? How do I make sure my message lands? How do I know people get it? What do you normally tell folks? Okay. So this, this is something, and I love this question, Jessica, and I'm very excited about your forthcoming book too, which is dealing with so many of these really important questions. Um, this is something I talked about a lot, actually, in my first book, Reinventing You. A problem that a lot of people have with any anything sort of redolent of personal branding is that if you're not used to it, if this is not a modality that you're naturally comfortable with, oftentimes people basically create a straw man and they say, oh, well, if I were to do personal branding, if I were to sort of talk more about my accomplishments, it means that I would become, and then, you know, insert this image of like the most sleazy, awful, self-promoting car salesman guy in the world. And so quite logically, they say, well, I don't want to be that. And so the, it, it gives them permission to not do any of the things that actually they know in their hearts are important for making sure that people know about it. There's just this kind of easy polarization, which gives people too many excuses to not uh, think about self-promotion at all. And so what I really want to emphasize is we can't get away with creating some kind of fake straw man that, you know, oh, I don't want to be like that because there are lots of ways to be informative without being uh, oleaginous. <laughs> there are lots of ways to educate people about what you're doing and be helpful rather than be chest thumping. We have to find them. We have to find the way that's comfortable for us, but it doesn't mean that you have to turn into some kind of um, you know, evil person that you don't want to be. I love what you you said about the straw man, because in some ways it's this image or this idea that we have in our head of like, oh, but if I do this, I am that sleazy salesman. I want to come off of too salesy, which is true, right? Many of us were hyper aware when somebody is trying to like sell or they're showing off and immediately our radar goes off and we're just like, oh, okay, well, let's, okay, sure, whatever, right? Like we may totally, and no sort of one likes that, right? That's the crucial thing. Like literally no one likes that. That's, that might be doing personal branding, but it's doing personal branding badly. It's just, that's a visible example because it's like so egregious. It is. And in, in many ways, I wish I, I heard this message early on too, because I would immediately default to what you're saying. Well, it's like, and then I would give myself those excuses like, well, but if I talk about my work, are people going to think I'm trying to show off? So let me just like not say anything, right? Like I would tell myself these things, but then, okay, then the question is, and you said this already, it's like, it's trying to be as helpful as possible. But but what does that even mean? And, and, and I wonder if we can even break it down in, in certain contexts. Like, what are some of the questions maybe we can ask ourselves so we can crystallize that message? So like, you know, the folks who are listening there, I'm sure you're all thinking right now, like, yo, yeah, maybe I, I did just finish this one project. How can I make sure other people know about it? So so what are some of the things that we can ask to, to make sure we, we get it right? Yeah. So, okay. One of my very favorite tips, this to me is like the lowest of low hanging fruits, is that when you are running into someone that you haven't talked to for a while, which is, a, you know, a situation that happens literally all the time, inevitably, there is going to be some moment where they ask you a variation of, so what have you been working on? What have you been up to? I mean, we know that this question is going to come. And yet almost no one prepares for it. And so somehow we, you know, we freeze and we freak out 
And in the moment, we kind of come up with some random thing. Oh, I just got my dog groomed, you know, <laughs> like just something random. And it's usually not so helpful. But so what I want to challenge people to do is to actually be more thoughtful about that. If there is something that you actually accomplished recently that you're proud of, if there is a way that you would like to be seen that is maybe different than you are now. Like you're, you know what, you want to move up in leadership. So you have determined that it would be important for you to be viewed as say more strategic, for instance, maybe you pick something to talk about that emphasizes that, that, you know, maybe you were just working on the team strategy committee or, you know, whatever it is, but you pick something that helps lead you in the direction of where you want to go and how you want to be seen. And the really important thing here is people asked you this question. This is not you bragging. This is not you self-promoting. This is you answering a question that is, you know, is going to come anyway. So it's just a natural conversational discourse. No one is going to hold it against you or think badly of you because you have an answer to a question that they asked you. I love that because in many ways you're saying that it's being prepared. It's it's almost anticipating that that question is going to be asked, especially if maybe, I mean, yeah, it could be in a meeting, at a networking situation, whatever it is. But what I love about what you said, and this is what I want to highlight, is you're being strategic and tailored with how you answer that question. Because I feel how you answer that question should be a, a little bit different depending on who's actually asking you that question. And sometimes we don't think about that too much. We're just like, oh yeah, I'm working on this project. And then that's kind of like your blanket statement. But but what about that project matters to person A? What about that project matters to person B? And just having that and it can be even just like 10 seconds of just like, oh, okay, I know I'm going into this meeting. This is who's going to be here. Make sure to talk about this, right? And, and it's just like giving yourself that pep talk ahead of time can really, yeah, crystallize that message of knowing, okay, just make sure I like subtly drop that, right? And I know for some of us, we're just like, we don't even give ourselves the time to, to, to even think about that. But every chance to talk about your work, like when somebody asks, what are you up to? That's a chance for you to make an impression, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. So when, so, okay, for those, Dory, who, and this is, I think I saw this in the comments, it's like, well, what if people feel uncomfortable? Like, what if it's more of like that, that humbleness? And this is where, you know, I, I, I definitely want to share my thoughts. And because I feel like a lot of this comes from like the cultural values that I was taught myself of like, you don't talk about yourself. Like, you don't put yourself out there. You don't want to like, yes boast or whatever. Like, what is that like mental shift that you would kind of like encourage folks to to think about when they're just like, it is so uncomfortable. And maybe I feel like my team won't be so like, you know, happy about it or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a, a couple of important points here and it is, it is useful to try to you know, viscerally uh, sort of adjust your thinking, right? Because I mean, everybody who is part of this conversation understands intellectually that like, gosh, yes, I guess it would be a good thing if more people knew what I could do, right? Like, presumably, we're all in agreement about that. The issue is that we would like that to happen magically. And you know, I mean, sometimes it does, right? Sometimes we luck out because someone really is paying attention and they notice that's amazing. 
Sometimes we luck out because a friend or a colleague, you know, like says something and mentions it for us. That's a terrific mitzvah when people do that. So, so it can happen and that's great. But the, the truth is, and I, and I think this is like a hard truth that we have to acknowledge. Most people out there are not paying any degree of attention to us. And the amount that they care is kind of exceedingly close to zero. Yeah. Like, unless it's literally your boss who's supervising you, and sometimes not even then, they are not paying attention. And so it almost is like a form of reverse hubris for people to think like, oh, well, they should notice. Like, oh, really? They're going to pay that much attention to you, you know, when they're like not paying attention to anything else. I mean, fundamentally, the way that I like to think about this is number one, the more power and influence you have the more you can help other people, the more you can help your team, the more you can advocate. If you are, you know, let's say a team leader, if your team is getting credit for things, you know, this enables you to help support the career aspirations of every single person on your team. Hopefully you're going to get more resources as a result of that, which can do really good things for your mission and for the, the people who work for you. But also for you individually, um, it's, it's powerful because you're actually not able to give your all if people don't understand what your all is. And so, you know, making people aware like, oh, actually I know that software, you know, I could, I could be helpful. I've done things in the past with it or, oh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad we were able to accomplish X, Y, Z. Well, the fact that they know about that, they literally might not even have noticed. And so if they say, oh, wow, you were actually able to you know, decrease subscriber turnover by 20%. How did you do that? That could be data that is really useful in the rest of the company. And so it enables you to help on a broader scale. And I think those are important things that that we need to hone in on. Hone in on. And I and I think it's it's just knowing that sometimes talking about the amazing work that we're all doing is it doesn't sometimes even have to be as explicit as we think it, it needs to be. Sometimes it can be extremely subtle. It can just be like a one line sentence in an email. It can just be like, hey, I want to give you a quick update on this project. And it's not necessarily expecting a response or even a validation. It's just knowing that you did your you dropped your, your two cents and people read it and then they can like move on. But you know that these subtle cues, subtle, you know, dropping of hints of like, oh, I did this. I finished that. This is going great. Like even just sometimes having those like positive words in, in a sentence or two about like what you're working on. Sometimes that's all is needed to get people to have and start to form that impression of you that you can get things done. You know, I was chuckling because when you were talking about how doing good work and, and it's like, does anybody see it? I don't know why I was thinking of this analogy, but I was thinking about how this is a, this is a crazy analogy because I don't even do this really, but like basketball, right? And, and and it's, you know, sometimes I'll go to the basketball court with my son. He's, he's two and, you know, we'll have him play basketball. And while we're there, I'll sometimes take the basketball and maybe I'll like try to like, you know, shoot one, one hoop. And it's kind of like one of those things where you get it in and you look around, you're like, did anybody see that? <laughs> you know what I mean? it's the same analogy of like, I just did that. I got it in. And maybe because like I never get it in. So when I do get it in, I'm like, did you see that? So it's kind of, I was just laughing. I don't know why I was thinking of that analogy, but it's similar, right? It's like, you're doing something great. It's, it's cool, whatever, but do other people see it? Right. 
Yeah, I love that. That's so fun. I think I think that's really cool. And it's important. It's important to understand the context too, right? Like I think most of us would, you know, perhaps rightly recoil from a situation where you know it, it just felt like apropos of nothing. Uh, we were sort of dropping in, like, "Hey, by the way, did you know that I increased top line revenue by X amount?" You know, like, like, I mean, of course that's like, it's random, it's bragging. It's like, uh, okay, great. Good for you. You know, it like, it just feels weird. The, the crucial thing here is context. You know, if you're talking about, uh, you know, you're having a group discussion about how do we increase revenue in our, in our division, um, it is actually incredibly relevant for you in that moment to say, you know, gosh, our team has had some success here. We were able to do blah, blah, blah. If anyone wants to talk about that further, I'd be happy to share what we learned. I mean, that's, that's extremely relevant. It's extremely helpful. Again, no one is going to say, oh, I can't believe that person was bragging so much because there is a context to it. What you just said is a great example. And I know folks have these have the questions now of like, but how do I do it? I mean, Dora, you just gave a great example. It's using even past wins, past accomplishments, and saying that in the beginning of your, your sentence of saying, well, actually, you all, we, we have done this. You know, when we did this last quarter, this is what we saw. And you just, in, in some ways, giving context, educating folks, is you talking about something that you know and people see that. One of the other tips that I was thinking about is when we do do something great, right, and we want to make sure people know about it, it's maybe even proactively offering it as like, Hey boss, you know, we just, I just finished this project. It went really well. Would it be okay if I, you know, just like did a five minute presentation to talk about it? You know, you offering something like that to give somebody an update, to, to talk about it with the team. I'm sure your manager will be like, oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you share with the, with the team? Like, you know, what happened on this project? So even proactively creating opportunities for yourself, that's one thing to think about too. Yeah. That's such a great idea. I love that. So one of the things that I wanted to pivot was I wanted to talk about your book too, Dory, which is The Long Game, which by the way, I have to say, I love that title because instantly people are like, yeah, like, you know, I get it. Okay. So then the question is in the book, The Long Game, and now because we're talking about strategic communication skills, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap of like thinking long-term, but from, from, from those, for those who haven't been able to read your book from a high level, what is the long game? What does that even mean? How can they think about it? And why is it so important to, to their work? Yeah. So, I mean, the long game, sometimes people are like, well, how long precisely? <laughs> and of course, you know, we, we can be flexible about this, but broadly the way that I think about it is, you know, whatever is long-term for you, you know, if you, you know, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, it could be you thinking, you know, from now to the end of your career, but it's essentially looking at the outcome that you want to achieve and working backwards and saying, all right, you know, there are obviously in life a lot of short-term pressures, you know, oh, I need to get this done today. And it could be because, you know, your, your boss is riding you for something and, and that's real. It could be because internally we feel bad sometimes. Oh, well, I saw that my friend, you know, got promoted before I did. And so what's wrong with me? You know, I need to pick up the pace or something like that. Um, so, you know, we have a, a lot of things driving us for short-term stuff. Um, but in, in the long game, I really try to make the case that 
well, that is real. And we have to sometimes play along to a certain extent, uh, you know, to keep our job and whatever. I mean, you know, we all understand email is not, in, you know, inherently important. It's not like, oh, wow, I really succeeded in my career. I nailed email, you know, but also you can't afford to ignore email. Like that will be a problem too. But the question is, how do you balance things out and make choices so that yes, you do what is necessary in the short term um, so that you can keep the ball moving, but you keep your eye on the long-term prize um, because it's conceivable that we could end up with, you know, all our professional dreams coming true if we just go, you know, day to day from, from one task to another, but it's frankly not that likely because you're not driving the, you know, the car you're, you're being driven. And so I want us to, to steer a little bit more and have a little bit more agency in what we're aiming towards. Uh, we don't have perfect control, but we often have more control than we think. And to me, that's what the long game is about. And I love your acknowledgement of how sometimes it's hard to think about the long game when we get boggled down by the little things, the things that make us feel a certain way, meaning I'm so stressed, I'm so anxious, I'm so unhappy. Like, you know, it's those like feelings that, again, like you mentioned, are very real in a workplace, but that sometimes, and I and I know I'm guilty of that, sometimes it's easy to just kind of like spiral and be like, oh my gosh, this is not working the way I want it to go. You know, this sucks. Like, you know, what do I do? I feel stuck, right? And then the problem though is like, you're just thinking in that just kind of like immediate because you're in that that feeling of that negativity, right? So, so in some ways, I love how you kind of acknowledge that it's kind of two different things. It's like, yes, Maybe this does suck. Maybe the current situation is not right. Maybe this project or working with this client is like the worst experience of your life, right? But it's like, no, let's let's think a bit further. Okay. So then Dory, I have to ask then in that situation, how can people reframe? Because while it is so easy to dwell, while it's so easy to just, you know, focus on the negativity, the the sucky things, right? How can people switch and be like, wait a second, let me think strategically now. So a great piece of research that I often come back to is uh, some research that has been done by Teresa Amabile uh, at the Harvard Business School and her husband, Stephen Kramer. And they, they, they wrote about it in a book called The Progress Principle. And they were studying this question of, of employee engagement, right? What is it that makes people feel connected to and excited about their work? And what they discovered was that it's actually a, fair, a fairly simple equation which is that the people who felt the best about their work, the happiest, the most engaged, um, were the people who made progress, even incredibly small progress, every day towards something that they considered a worthy goal. That's the, that's the key here. If you are spending 90% of your time on stuff that you consider just, you know, stupidity, right? That's not ideal, clearly. It's not really what we want for you. But if you can carve out a, you know, a space for yourself, the 5%, the 10%, even if it's after you go home from work at night and you spend 10 minutes writing your screenplay that's your big dream or whatever it is, that is moving the ball forward. It's not so much about, oh, it has to be fast, it has to be now. We have to recognize, all of us recognize, that there are times in our lives where it will go slower than others. You know, if you're... 
caring for a sick relative, if you've got, you know, some like, you know, newborn at home, if you, um, you know, get COVID or whatever it is, you are not going to be making as much professional progress during those times as you would like. Like that's, that's just reality. But it doesn't mean that you have to make no progress. You can find a small way to keep the ball moving forward. And, and that's, that's the thing that, that often keeps people going and gives them a feeling of uh, momentum in some way. I love that. And I almost want to, you know, throw this question back at our audience who's watching and listening. It's like, you know, if we asked you, what is something that you've been wanting to do? What is something that has, you know, secretly excited you or maybe not so secret, ex you know, excited you that you've been like, I have been curious about learning a little bit more of that or maybe exploring that. And, you know, just like what Dory said, it's giving yourself the five, 10, hey, maybe 20 minutes to just work on that one thing. And just knowing that those minutes, right? We will just say minutes, not even hours, because heck, we might not even have hours to, to, to do, right? But just giving ourselves those minutes of a day to chip away at it, you kind of feel like you're making that progress. It actually reminds me, you know, personally, when I was many years ago, when I was a reporter, and this is when I was in New York, I was a, you know, we call them like a general assignment reporter. So I basically covered everything and anything. But deep down inside, I've always wanted to cover business news. Like I was very fascinated with like business. And I remember at the time when I was working, there was no opportunity for me to cover business news. We were a small television station. Everybody had to do everything. But I knew if I wanted my resume, right, if I knew I wanted my resume to say, or at least say some sort of like business expert, I had to find that time to create those opportunities for myself. So I remember at the end of the day, you know, after like an eight, nine hour workday, when I would get home, I would tell myself, well, Jessica, at least try to, to research some sort of business story that you could pitch. And that consistency so that every morning when I would walk into that editorial meeting, I would at least intentionally try to pitch one business story so that soon after people would then begin to associate me with like, oh, Jessica always has these business stories, right? And then and then when one would come in, then, then they would give it to me. So that was just an example of saying how even though your job description may not be ideal, maybe you're doing work that doesn't completely excite you, there are still things you can do behind the scenes that you can maybe present at work that can get people to start to associate you with what you want your, I call it like career brand, like what you want your career brand to be. Do you have a similar story, Dory? I don't know. If, or did you always just get like, hey, I want to do this and it immediately happens. Do you have like a story or something that you can share with folks where you're like, yeah, I did have to show or prove that this is what I wanted. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's fantastic, Jessica. I love that story. Well, you know, it actually reminds me of something, um, in my book, Reinventing You, I, I profiled this guy, Richard, and he was, uh, an, I mean, I, interestingly, it was a little bit of a, of a reverse. He was a business reporter and, you know, it wasn't like they gave him stuff that was really not super sexy. Uh, he was an oil and gas reporter for a while, mm. and then he was doing mortgage-backed securities. And honestly, neither one was super thrilling to him. Um, but his uh, his organization that he uh, that he worked for had started. Um, they they made an announcement that they were going to start doing like hospitality coverage, and he's like, "But hospitality? Do you mean food and wine?" <laughs> and they said, "Well, yes." And he said, "Like, I will do it for free." He's like, "You don't even have to pay me extra." 
but can I do this? And so for him, the way that he was able to take the job that was not so fun for him and actually make it meaningful was that, I mean, it did mean, frankly, that he, for a while he was doing extra work, but it was extra work that he loved because they would send him to like food and wine festivals and he'd get to write about them. And for him, that that lit him up and he sought out those specific opportunities. That's a perfect example of, again, kind of like similar. It's like, yes, you have to put in the extra work. Yes, you might have to do it for free, but at least you're doing something that excites you, interests you, because sometimes that's kind of like what is needed, right? So we have a real, I, I want to get to this one question that I see, because I do think it's important, especially when we're thinking about the long game and kind of getting your name out there, getting people to recognize you and things like that. And that has to do with straight up networking. And do we have to do it? How do we do it? Is it good? Is it bad? I, I am sort of like, I have like mixed feelings sometimes about networking. I don't always love it, but I know sometimes it's necessary. But Dory, what are your thoughts on, is networking part of the long game here? I mean, yes. And I have many thoughts about it, but I'm curious, Jessica, when, what are you talking about when you're talking about networking? Like, like, like how, how do you meet people? What does networking mean for you? So when I, and I know there's many ways we can take this question, but the one that I think, and I'm most interested in getting your thoughts on are even networking internally. Okay. Like, let's say like, we're not going to the happy hours. Like we're not trying to go to like an industry event where there's like a bunch of like new folks. Like, let's just say like internally, right. Where we're like, you know what? I, I, I'm in, let's say I'm in compliance, right? Like, and I sit in compliance. That's like my team of like 10 people, but is it important for me to get to know folks in in strategy? Is it important for me to get to know the engineering team, the sales team, the marketing team? Is it important? Is it part of the long game? Like how should somebody think about this? Or is it just okay to just stick within your immediate team and just kind of like have those relationships there? So, I mean, I would say like when people ask like, is it okay? I would say it is often uh, it is often sufficient, <laughs> but, uh, but that is not really the, the path to, uh, to either workplace triumph or, uh, or to the kind of safety, frankly, that we want, right? I mean, if we acknowledge that we live in a world where there's not a lot of job security, there's not a lot of career security, where security comes from, it's certainly not that like, oh yeah, I'm going to be at my company for 30 years. Like you might, but that is definitely the exception these days rather than the rule. And so if we think about how to make our own careers more secure, it comes from the relationships that we have with people. Because if something happens in your company, in your industry, it, it can be very precarious if you've put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, in fact, in Reinventing You, I tell a story about a guy named Dan that worked at a company and he had worked there for 10 years, it was kind of a big company. And one day, you know, I mean, who knows what sparked it, but he just woke up and he had this kind of realization. He's like, oh, he's the, you know, he hadn't been prioritizing networking. And he realized like, oh my gosh, pretty much literally everyone I know besides my neighbor is someone who works at this company. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but it actually becomes uh, a kind of frightening thing if your company starts to have layoffs. And then all of a sudden, if you get laid off and everyone else you know also is laid off, well, who's going to help you then, right? So for him, it was a wake-up call to network more outside his company. So that's important. But especially inside, that matters too, frankly. Um, I tell a story in 
this book, Standout, which was done by Portfolio, which is uh, which is your publisher as well, um, about a woman that I knew who did something really simple, which frankly anyone can do, which is that she just decided, okay, I'm going to devote an hour a week to networking. That seems totally doable. I can do an hour. And her version of that was that inside her company, she decided that she would have a coffee or a lunch once a week with someone in a different part of the company. You know, and this is like, you know, people like whatever, you're in a big meeting with 20 people and you kind of know them a little bit, but you don't know them that well. And she's like, you know what, next week I'll, I'll just ask somebody to lunch. And it's a wonderful way to actually really find out what is happening in the company, get more ideas, get more allies. And if something's going wrong, you know, whatever, they're not processing your request or something, you have people you can actually call to be like, hey, can you go to the person next to you and be like, hmm, what's going on? And uh, it was dramatically effective. So yes, I am a big networking fan. I love that. It reminds me so of a, of a story that I also wrote in my book, which is not out yet. <laughs> it comes out in the summer, um, but the book is called Smart, Not Loud. And in the book, I talk about, I, I have a story of, she, she's actually one of my friends about, so she's a she's an attorney. So went to law school, the top law school in the country, you know, graduated with a, you know, from a good school. But when she started working, which was at the time in corporate law, she realized that she was among thousands of great young lawyers who had just graduated from from law school right and i think at the time it, it might have been around the time of the recession 08 09 whatnot and i remember she she was telling me how she, it clicked to her one day where she realized i could just be chopped like anybody here but what is my differentiating factor like what is that differentiating factor going to be because yes I can read well, I can write well, I can write email well, right? Like, but these are like given, right? These are expected. Like that's not going to differentiate you from another brilliant attorney. And that's what she was telling me. So for her, she started getting strategic. She was like, I need to show the intangible skills that are, you can't necessarily teach this to people. You just got to like learn it yourself. And we're talking intangible skills, like the people, you know, networking, communications, right? Connecting the dots, you know, things like that, that again, it's not, it's beyond the books now. It's just like even telling your employer like, Hey, I'm going to be, um, you know, I was invited to speak at this event. Do you want to join me? Right. And just like dropping little things like that shows that you're not. And for her, you're not just an attorney. You're an attorney who can offer this, 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 that the intangible stuff in many ways. So I love that example, and I share it in, in my book, Smart Not Loud, because I think it's a good way to think about work is just work in many ways. Like, you got to deliver, you got to do it. But sometimes it's like, again, the intangibles, the networking, who do you know, who knows you, right? And that kind of stuff. So Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, there's there's all this weight, you know, net, networking is such a fraught concept for people. But at, at a really basic level, it's, I mean, yes, we can get incrementally more strategic as things progress. But at, for starters, it's just literally like, okay, if you're at a big company, do people know who you are? Because if it's time for layoffs, and they're like, you know, uh, who the heck is Jessica? Have I, have I even met Jessica? Like, sure, let's get rid of Jessica. I guess she doesn't make much of an impression around here if I don't know who she is. Yeah. You know, it's a very different conversation than like, oh gosh, we have to pick people to lay off. And it's like, oh, Jessica. Oh, but Jessica's so great. I mean, yeah, she, you know, she's always doing blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh mm -hmm. man, it, things would be really different around here without her. 
Like that literally can mean the difference between job and no job is just to people know who you are. And so taking the time to like have that coffee, make that connection, have that conversation can really make a remarkably big difference. Absolutely. So I have to say, I mean, the time is flying and I feel like you and I can keep going and, and whatnot, but you know, and I can't believe it, but as we, as we start to wrap up here, Dorian, and I want to say for folks who are here and listening, I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I am. I hope, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just so much fun. But, you know, as we start to wrap up here and, you know, we're we talked about so many things, right? Like communications, the long game, networking, like, you know, how to rethink, you know, how we talk about ourselves. We talked about so much. And yes, this is all going to be on replay. You can watch it again on LinkedIn or it's going to be on, on our podcast. You can just go to any Spotify, Apple, whatever, wherever you listen. Just type in communicating confidently with Jessica Chen and this episode will be there. But as we start to wrap up here, Dory, you know, I call them golden nuggets. But like if there were any like maybe like one or two things you'd want our our audience, our listeners to walk away with after listening and watching this about communications, about strategy, about the long game, what would that be? Anything that they could use immediately? Well, I think I think one of the most important points, Jessica, is one that that you are underlining and and you know really talking about in your book, which is just basically we we shouldn't make excuses for ourselves with this. I mean, this is important stuff. I, I often get asked to talk about uh, you know networking as an introvert or communicating as an as an introvert, uh, which which I am. I'm, I'm definitely an introvert. And a lot of times, you know, people will, will literally, you know, when they're asking questions, they'll like start out, they'll raise their hand and be like, well, you know, I'm an introvert, so I can't dot, dot, dot. And it's like, oh, come on. You know, yes, yes, of course you can. You know, mm -hmm. things are different as introverts, um, sort of in the same way that it is being left-handed. Like, yes, I, I understand and I don't like it that society and business professional life is optimized for extroverts. That is annoying. It's kind of unfair, but like whatever. Okay. And so if you are right-handed, things are easier for you because things are optimized for the majority, but it doesn't mean that left-handed people can get away with just saying like, Oh, I will never cut a document with scissors. Sorry. I don't do that because I'm left-handed. It's like you find a way. Yeah. And similarly, if you're an introvert, it's a question. You don't have to do it the standard way, but you have to do it. You find your way. For me, it's about, I, you know, I don't go to the big networking events anymore. I have my own. I have my own small events. I like them. They're nice. They're nice for everybody. And it's a way that I can do it. And similarly for you, you know, if you grow up, you know, as you talk about, you know, in a quiet culture um, or a place where self-promotion or personal branding or speaking up is not, um, you know, not sort of heralded as a virtue, that doesn't mean that people are permanently excused from learning those skills. Yeah. It means that you might do it a different way uh, or that you need to sort of find your way into it. Um, but I, I think it's really important that you're you're teaching people to not be uh, passive and sort of accept the like, oh, I can't do it line, but instead helping people find a path to the way that they can do it. Yes, yes, yes. And I have to say, I'm a huge introvert too. And I think people are always surprised, like, if you're introvert, why are you talking about communications? But that's a thing. Just because we are introverted, it doesn't mean we can't, you know, lean into learning these skills and becoming better at it. And similar to you, Dory, those big networking events, oh my gosh, even though we talk about communications, sometimes it's hard for me to 
communicate in big networking situations. It's like, it's just so awkward sometimes. Like there's no other way to say it. It's just really awkward. <laughs> it's super awkward. Yeah. I, I choose not to go to them. I just literally don't anymore. But the way that I'm able to give myself permission is that there are plenty of other things that I, that I do do instead. Yeah. And which is what you said, like you create your own events where it's maybe a small group. So it helps, you know, the introverted side of you to, to better like enjoy it, if anything. Right. So super helpful. And, and I think one of the things that I would say, you know, as we wrap up here, which is crazy, but you know, it's just really thinking that everything that we talked about, strategic communication skills, talking about your wins, networking, like all those things, these are things that yes, in many ways, you're like, well, how do I even think about this on top of my work? Like, I got family, I got kids, like, whatever, right? And, you know, I don't think anything Dory and I are talking about are, like, grand things that you have to, like, truly, like, be spending so much time on. I think a lot of it is just consciously being aware, like, yeah, let me think about this a little bit differently. Sometimes, and I love doing this, like I always have post-it notes all around my desk, but like, it's just like, if I need to remember something or just keep it top of mind, I'll always write it down so I can see it. So this is to say, everything Dory and I talked about, it's it's getting you to like, think about work a little bit differently. You know, m- most of us are working like full-time jobs, again, are working professionals, but it's like, how can we show up a little bit differently, especially if it's not something that we're used to, like talking about yourself. So I hope this this talk was encouraging for many of you to, to think about your work. And I know this, this time just flew by, but Dory, how can people get connected with you? Uh, tell us about what, what, are the, what are the many books that you have? And yes, where can they find you too? Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, if folks want to learn more, that would be amazing. Um, we've been talking especially about my uh, my book, Reinventing You, that touches on a lot of these themes about personal branding and communication. Um, you can get it at you know, fine bookstores all over. Uh, but I'll especially direct you to doryclark.com slash reinvent, which is a free download uh, that is the Reinventing You self-assessment. Uh, so thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Dora. And again, thank you all so much for tuning in. And just so you know, I host these events every other week and I always have a fantastic guest come on. And similarly, we talk about all things communications and career. So if you're interested in staying up to date and getting alerts of like the the events that we have coming up, go to our website, soulcastmedia.com, get on on our newsletter because that's how we communicate with you all too. So with that, thank you, Dory, so much for joining. And thank you all for joining us. And if there's any questions that we didn't get to answer, feel free to to message us and we'll try to do our best to also answer it. So with that, thank you, everyone. Take care. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out and happy communicating.